When you grow a garden with Schultz products, you reap a bountiful crop of benefits for your customer and your business. The signature dropper applicator allows you to feed every time you water. Just seven drops per quart of water delivers vital micronutrients every time you feed. Schultz Liquid Plant Food is available through hardware co-ops and lawn and garden distributors nationwide. For more information, go to knoxfurt.com Schultz. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Taking Care of Business podcast. I am guest hosting today and I'm Lindsay Thompson, uh, Associate Editor with the North American Hardware and Paint Association. Um, As we move into 2023, I'm really going to be focusing a lot on retail technology and ways that retailers can use technology in their operations to uh, boost their business, better serve customers, help their employees uh, offer better customer service. So I'm really excited to dive in um, next year, but kind of a uh, lead up to that, I have two very special guests today on the podcast. First, I have Jared Brown. He is currently the senior analyst for Awashan Hardware. He has a degree in kinesiology and biomechanics from Miami University, and he came to Awashan in 2015 from the banking world. Jared grew up in Ohio and moved to Massachusetts in 2012, where he currently lives with his wife and daughter. His major responsibilities with Abashan include inventory planning and forecasting, margin management and retail pricing, and process improvement and operations. We also have Mark Garland joining us today. He's worked for our systems and he joined the company in 2012 and brings over 18 years of experience in the supply chain industry. His career is focused on supply chain technologies, particularly within the retail industry. He joined Farrar to drive strategic sales, client delivery, and marketing industry analysis liaison within the marketplace. Mark graduated from the University of Surrey, Guildford, UK, with a degree in business management and completed a management graduate program at British Airways, UK. Prior to Farrar, Mark worked for companies like British Airways, Manugistics, UK, and Capgemini, US. The Abishan Company is a fourth-generation family company with 100-plus retail locations that believes they don't need to choose between being a mom-and-pop and a modern-day competitor. They operate six, soon-to-be seven, brands of hardware stores in and throughout New England. 4R is a software platform and services implementation company that focuses on client needs for supply chain automation and benefits realization. The 4R prescriptive analytics solutions leverage AI strategies that help businesses optimize supply chain and merchandising decisions. Their team of expert planners bring supply chain planning, leading practices to optimize inventory investment. So welcome, Jared and Mark. I'm really excited to have you guys um, on the podcast. And so let's just dive in. Uh, Mark, what are some of the biggest uh, point of sale inventory issues that you and 4R are seeing with your hardware clients and just in the hardware industry in general? Yeah, thanks. First of all, Lindsay, thank you for the introductions. And um, it's a uh, quite a quite a lengthy question in terms of you know just looking at it not just from a retail hardware perspective, but I think generally we're seeing you know 4R's primarily in the in the retail uh, space. Um, you know, and I think a lot of what I'm going to sort of talk about initially in answering that question is just applicable, not just to hardware retail, but just retail in general. You know, we we talked a lot about, um, or you know, hopefully, I, you know, kind of let's put COVID in the kind of the rear view mirror, which has really just upended the entire supply chain. You know, we, we've seen retailers in, you know, sort of in that 
well, the essential retail, which you know, I think when we talk a bit more with with Jared and Aubuchon, you know, they were classified as essential retail. So you've know, seen double digit growth, and then you've seen other retail sectors, which have, in essence, were sort of in that closed um, situation for you know two to three months, whilst we kind of decide, you know, was sort of navigating through what it was going to ultimately do to to retail, etc. So, you know. I kind of sort of look at this from probably three core areas from an inventory perspective, as I say, particularly within hardware retail and just retail in general. Number one is is really the the challenge of predicting demand. Mm. You know, we've 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 you know seen this in essence double digit growth in certain sectors, and and I think hardware certainly saw that. Um, as we were all kind of under lockdown and et cetera. But now we're sort of seeing those levels of, of demand leveling out significantly or declining in certain categories. And then you've also got to layer on the fact of we we're dealing with supply chain disruptions globally. Um, obviously, the shortage of certain raw materials, and that's affecting certain categories within you know, within the hardware retail. And then also you've got to layer on buying de- patterns have changed significantly. What was, you know, the good old approach to demand forecasting was using historical data, your historical sales to, you know, accurately pre- uh, predict demand um, into the future. And, you know, what we're, we're clearly seeing is that you know, the last 12, 18 months of historical sales data really isn't going to be applicable or replica- replicable you know, mm-hmm. into the future. So that's, um, you know, that's certainly something, A, we've been challenged with, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, an Orbison challenged that to us because we've got to come up with different techniques and different approaches to handling those different um, demand profiles. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of different forecasting techniques out there, but really it boils down to is, you know, one of the challenges is mining that data, mining that sales data, turning that into tangible information that you can predict with a certain level of accuracy, um, you know, that customer demand. So that's kind of one area. The second area uh, really is, you know, looking at inventory and sort of building on that last point, there's, there's a, what we're seeing is kind of a lack of skills and overall expertise. Mm-hmm. When you need to mine sort of that data and turn that into very, as I say, tangible information, you know, there's, you know, we're all kind of struggling to, you know, there's that sort of the labor force, et cetera, and, and finding the expertise in the right area geographical, if you, you know, if they need to be within that sort of geographical area that has that expertise, whether they are, you know, data scientists or have come through uh, with, you know, that experience, they've got technology of how do you drive these systems uh, to better predict forecasting or better replenish mm-hmm. using the, you know, the technology capabilities that are out there. Um, you know, and so for us, it's, you know, one of the challenges is not simply, you know, deploying a software technology platform um, or upgrading your current platform. You know, it's 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 also looking at your capability. Do I have the right asset resources with the experience 
to help me get to that next level? And how do I navigate through these situations? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of point number two. And then really just a bit of a general point here uh, on, on the sort of the third area will be inefficient processes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in sort of smaller operations, it's probably a low-tech footprint, mm-hmm. um, more manual inventory management, and taking that up to the next level is how do you then, as you're potentially growing or you know trying to operate within the competitive landscape, how do you then uh, go to that next level of optimization? Really, is forecasting and planning and predicting. You talk about the intro around analytics. How do I mm-hmm. leverage some of these analytical capabilities mm-hmm. on on you know, on processes that are really much geared to just inventory management? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, as the sales volumes increase, you know, inventory management, yes, probably and more of a manual approach to this is applicable if you're mm-hmm. in a very small environment. But as you grow, you know, as you grow, not necessarily from store count, for instance, but also um, uh, sort of sales volume increases, et cetera, inventory expands, you know, you layer on then the capabilities of struggling to find the right people to run that function. You know, you're then looking into inefficient labor, low tech, and then really looking at standard operating procedures. So a general kind of third point there, but really focusing on sort of those inefficient processes, mm-hmm. all tied into inventory, which is the core asset within any retail environment at the end of the day while you're retail you got you know that's inventory is making sure you've got it in the right place when that consumer makes that decision and so you know so in summary three areas yeah focusing on the on the demand predicting demand all the challenges that we're seeing in terms of buying decisions etc supply chain disruptions um looking at it from lack of skills and expertise and then the third area would be uh, obviously, inefficient processes, and how do you make those more efficient, et cetera? So, yeah, well, thanks, Mark, for sharing. I, I just with my conversations in the last twelve to eighteen months with retailers, they all of those definitely resonate <laughs> with yeah. our audience. So, so Jared, let's turn to you. So, kind of walk us through Abishan's timeline of your processes and systems from manual today. Um, were you experiencing some of these same problems that Mark has mentioned and what steps did you do to take these, uh, to solve these problems? Sure. Uh, it's really interesting. My timeline specifically with Obishan, I would say, um, you know, with over a hundred years of history and me being only involved in the last seven, um, it's been interesting to watch that transition. There was a, a long degree of stability and kind of no change to the business model. And not too long after I started with Obishan, you know, we exited distribution and, you know, kind of upended our business model. But at that time, you know, we were really just in a, how can we replace what we sold kind of mentality? And that was done both uh, with spreadsheets that was done kind of by hand. Uh, and we did leverage our, uh, point of sale solution to replace some of those a little bit forward looking. Uh, but I think we had a solution that had, let's say, too many buttons and dials. So, you know, everybody can figure out the mechanics of replacing what was sold. Maybe look to last year's sales, but you, you end up doing usually uh, two different things. Either you manage a category's decline, 
And so you no longer are in that category, or you find yourself in this excess inventory position where you certainly supported sales, uh, but you did so with way more dollars in inventory than would be necessary. Um, you know, so we, we kind of saw those patterns and, you know, we, after we exited distribution, we started acquiring more, let's call them non-core stores. We started introducing new brands, new distributor partners. Uh, and, you know, we were trying to kind of contemplate and, and manage this excess inventory that we had, let's say we had, had inherited into the second phase of the business model or, or in our timeline. Uh, and then COVID happened and we uh, had to, you know, kind of, as Mark mentioned, you know, kind of do this about face to support, you know, double digit sales gains while experiencing, you know, shortages and stockouts and, you know, just no ship notifications, you know, where things were coming. Meanwhile, you don't know what's about to die or, or what's about to grow. And, and, you know, through COVID, um, there were a lot of categories that were dying off, but we just didn't notice because we didn't have that time and capacity. Uh, but, you know, somewhere between, you know, exiting or around the time we exited distribution and before COVID, we had onboarded 4R uh, because we we needed to change that business model and be more precise with where we spent our time and money. Um, and, and I think that's an overarching theme. You know, we've learned a lot from 4R and how we approach these problems, how we uh, pivot and, and how we change tactic uh, with whatever the environment is dictating, you know, very... Mm -hmm. Very often, I don't think retailers get to dictate the environment and the conditions they find themselves in, right? Mm -hmm. We're responding to our customers. We're responding to our distribution partners and our manufacturer partners and our other relationships. Uh, we're very much, you have to be reactive, but how can you transition to be a little bit more proactive? And, you know, I think about some of the stuff Mark said and, you know, history is a mystery. Trend is your friend. How can you manage the things that are growing quickly? How can you manage those things that are seemingly dying off? And do I want to let this product line die because the customer just has no more interest in it? Or is it dying because of some other thing? Is it stocking out? Is my inventory just not right to support the sales? Is it in the wrong place? Is it, does it have the wrong price? Uh, you know, these are things that we have to make up. And, you know, I, I remember when we I started with Obishan, let's say we've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 30,000 SKUs, uh, you know, between different stores and different assortments, a very cookie cutter. And now, uh, as of today, you know, we're, we're over 100,000 SKUs out on the field. You know, it's a threefold increase in the number of live products we have out in the field because we're diversifying our assortments and we're diversifying uh, just our retail offerings, you know, the brands that we support, the product lines we support, uh, geographically specific categories. It's becoming really challenging uh, to keep those all under wraps. Um, but we're, we're able to resolve this because we're leaning on our, our strategic partners like 4R and our distributor partners for assortment planning. Uh, you know, it's, it's not something you can manage all in-house unless you decide to be uh, you know, just absolutely Herculean in your headcount. Uh, how can you manage all 100,000 items with a handful of people? You know, it's just mm -hmm. not feasible. Uh, you have to find ways to, uh, and a phrase I like to borrow from our friends over at uh, CNRG, uh, sometimes good enough is good enough. You know, you got to, you know, you got to decide when this is, uh, when it's finished enough. You have to decide yeah, I've got it to a comfortable spot and it's going to manage itself to some extent. You have to find that uh, point so you can move on to whatever that next effort and next endeavor is. 
Uh, and you can only do that with support. And, and sometimes mm-hmm. that comes from inside your agency. Sometimes you decide to deploy that uh, human capital, you know, in-house. And, and I would say, you know, very often, uh, Obushan finds itself, you know, using third parties to, to help do that because mm-hmm. we don't have that in-house expertise. So, or even if we can, how do we maintain the continuity of that uh, expertise, you know, um, there's a lot of people that would love to retire or find a new uh, uh, thing to tackle. Uh, and how do you continue that and provide, you know, growth for your, your, your staff as well? So it's mm-hmm. all, all things that you have to constantly have in balance. And, and importantly, one of the things that really COVID drove home is that balance isn't going to be static. Mm-hmm. We have to expect that things are going to change. We have to expect that uh, tomorrow is going to bring itself a new set of challenges, just like it's going to get a, a you know bring a new set of um, opportunities. And you have to be mm-hmm. ready to to jump on those opportunities. You know our our acquisition plan is aggressive, mm-hmm. uh, but we have to have a way to support it. And I don't know that we could have continued, or I know that we could not have continued to support uh, our growth strategy by maintaining cookie cutter programs and replace with what we sold last year. Um, we won't be able to do that. We have to find some other solution. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so it's questions uh, for both of you. How did Abishan and Forar, how did you guys get connected? And kind of tell us how that relationship has developed to help improve operations for Abishan. I don't, do you want to start off, Jared? Tell your version of the story and then I'll tell mine. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a great question, Mark. I think... Um, well, we should probably pause here. I don't actually remember where. I think you guys started talking to Jeff first. Yes, we did actually. It was I'm going back five or six years now, and I think mm-hmm. we had uh, there was a large contingent of uh, Obershon folks that came down, including Jeff Obershon, um, CFO, to uh, to the NRF conference. And uh, remember that we were we started sort of introductions around sort of that, you know. Inventory optimization, you know, we're really looking at it from, let's look at the basics first. We need to get in the demand forecasting piece and begin to um, establish a replenishment model. And it was at the time, actually, where I remember coming up to the office there, you were actually um, owned your own distribution um, warehouse and distribution uh, was part of Orbishon at the time. So that's where where we started there. And it really was, it was very much to start Let's look at the the low hanging fruit. You know, let's get the basics, the blocking and tackling in place, which was very much the, the demand forecasting and the replenishment. And then there was a transition, as you rightly said, Jared, from outs, in essence, outs, move, moving away from your own distrib- owning your own distribution to a wholesale distribution model. So we were focused on on in essence working through that process with you because that was a fairly number one is your skew count that was available to you uh, tripled if, if not overnight uh, versus you know see what you could carry within your own warehouse you now had a wholesale distribution um, opportunity which and as I think it did triple the overall skew skew availability to you then it was and I think more recently um, actually I was I forget timing wise exactly it was okay well that's great. We've got the forecast and the replenishment, which is the great for the continuous replenishable items. But that was only a certain percentage of your overall business. And so there was then the move to 
um, implement the the seasonal allocation planning, which is a very different approach from a, from an optimization perspective because you buy it once, and it's then how do you allocate it throughout the course of that season? Um, you know, obviously we've we've just come through the Halloween season, the specific products that you bring in just to handle those certain seasonal profiles, and it, it's a different approach. So we've we worked through. Um, uh, I think we would have that's all up and running uh, in play in place, etc. And obviously we're looking to other opportunities, but uh, so I think yeah, was it was like five or six years, and it all started at NRF, and uh, it's been a, a, an excellent journey and great partnership, and we. We thoroughly enjoy working with you guys. So, I mean, tell tell me your side of the story, Jared. Yeah, the, that that drives with it. But you know, I remember it from the projects and the initiatives you know, given by Jeff, mm-hmm. our CFO, and and my boss at the time. Uh, and you know, we were managing excess inventory when we started. You know, we were looking at uh, the cost of doing business study, and we we're saying, you know, wow, you know, how uh, you know at the time we were thinking that the our distribution center was more of an anchor. Uh, than it was, but now it's a question of, you know, how do we measure? Where do we want to be? We started having these introspective commentaries and, and conversations internally and saying, you know, how do we do this better? And then we realized, you know, do we want to sink, uh, you know, a lot of time and capital internally? Do we get a resource? And, you know, I was kind of brought in at the phase where like, okay, we've evaluated some, some, uh, you know, options for ours, the front runner. All right, Jared, run with it. You know, let, let's see what you, you can work with them. And here's your goal. Can we cut four to $6 million in excess inventory in the next year? And it was like, oh boy, a little challenging, but you know, we worked through it. We we found ways to optimize our inventory and it felt like we were just getting our our feet under us, uh, you know, managing this excess inventory, burning off the excess, tracking it, getting our financials together, you know, improving our turn uh, dramatically and then we got this gigantic uh, challenge and gift, which was, you know, COVID and, and being you know, the only game in town and, you know, more than 100 towns, uh, you know, suddenly, you know, we were selling the things that were notoriously hard to move and slow movers for a hardware store. And so we got this great gift. And then it was, boy, how do we even manage to stay in stock? How do we leverage our distribution partners? How do we forecast these crazy changes in the environment? Uh, and, you know, 4R was with us there. You know, I, I remember having regular calls because we, we have a standing Thursday call every week with the 4R team. Yeah. We go through the QA. We, we look at what's happening. And, you know, through March, you know, at first, I think, uh, like everybody, it was disbelief. Uh, they're not really going to shut everything down. You know, they're not really going to, you know, shut down businesses. They're not going to really shut down schools. And then by the time we got to the like the end of March, it was like, okay, they've shut down the businesses, they've shut down the schools, things are going crazy. Are you ready to pull some levers? And without missing a beat, the four hour team came in and said, Yep, here are the levers we can pull and let's pull them and it looks good and let's continue to monitor and keep a close uh, pulse on the you know, the hundreds of situations happening simultaneously. And now uh, you know, we're working on pivoting again. Okay. Uh, customer count and units are are shifting. You know, we're seeing those changes in customer patterns. Uh, you know, the stimulus checks aren't coming in, and this is doing different things. But let's continue monitoring. I mean, it's um, to think about all of the categories that Four is effectively monitoring on a week to week basis for us. 
you know, it's, it's been quite the journey. I mean, and, and who knows what the next pivot's going to be? Uh, who knows what the next hard left turn is going to be? Um, but that's what hardware stores have been doing. I, I can remember Dan Stratz's next presentation at the last uh, tech symposium at the Oracle show. You know, hardware stores have been around for a long time. And we have, you know, hardware stores have persevered all of these events, you know, over the last, you know, more than 150 years. And it's just about responding to whatever the environment's going to throw at us. Whatever's in the, you know, happening outside the four walls of a hardware store has far more to do uh, with our agenda and what our next challenge and opportunity is going to be than anything inside the four walls. So we have to be ready to respond to those events. Um, and that's been uh, a lot of those uh, big swings, big left turns and adjustments we've made are all things happening outside the four walls of our stores. It sounds like Babashan and Forar's relationship is, you guys have been through a lot together, <laughs> been through a lot together, a lot of pivoting, you know, moving away from your um, self-distribution model. And then COVID alone was, I mean, pivot was like the buzzword, wasn't it? So, oh, yeah. Um, so, so Jared, you know, Forar helped you guys get the, these basic processes in place. So once a retailer has those in place, what's, how can they take those processes to the next step? Like what's that next tier? Sure. Well, I, I would say um, the next tier is as much a philosophical one as it is a technical one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the real pivot from getting to that next level is putting your eyes on the horizon. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, where do you want to take your business? Where do you want to take it? Um, trying to move from a reactionary to a proactive position. Uh, mm-hmm. It requires goal setting. It requires evaluating your business. Where are my inefficiencies? Where are my where are my strengths also that I can play to? Mm-hmm. Um, these are significant. Uh, so you know, one of our big steps was you know, uh, I can remember the year we put our inventory turn you know as a, a tracked metric that was one of our hard and fast goals, and we were going to work towards that. Mm-hmm. That was a huge departure from just simply tracking data. And seeing where things were going and then realizing, you know, I don't have to go with the wind or with the tide on this thing. I can course correct. I can mm-hmm. pull levers. You know, I can suddenly start planning and saying, okay, if I want to get to an inventory turn of 2.2 and I think that my sales are going to be in this ballpark and I have a plan on that. Well, here's the inventory number. You know, the, the arithmetic is not difficult. But what is very, very difficult is how am I going to get to that number and support sales? Mm-hmm. Now, those are antithetical, uh, you know, opposing forces. Mm-hmm. You know, typically, if you want to grow sales, the old adage is stack it high and watch it fly, right? Put a stack out on your floor, get a pallet of goods and, and watch the sales happen. Well, sometimes that's not appropriate. Sometimes that's not the best use of your money. Um, or, you know, your goal may be cash flow. Or your mm-hmm. goal could be uh, freeing up and, and cashing up some inventory so you have a chance to buy that next hardware store. By setting those goals and, and then tracking to them, you can suddenly start seeing, okay, now I need to reduce inventory or you know, maybe my stockouts are out of control. You start setting those goals and you have to work towards them by really understanding the mechanics of your, your, your supply chain. Where is your product coming from? How is it getting into the hands of your customer? Who are your customers? Uh, you know, that's that's the next big step because then you start finding like, so 
Obushan, you know, needs to address at this time our seasonal product, which is why we have four are assisting us with that. How mm. can we get a little bit more precise on seed starting, on peat pots, all these things that are so volatile and so risky? You know, you miss that sales window. You miss that sales window. Uh, it's not like you're going to get another bite at the apple in another couple of weeks. Uh, how can I be more proactive about hose and watering, which is totally subject to what the weather is going to do? How can I be most smart about that? Because you don't know what the weather is going to be. You don't know when the storms are going to hit and you can sell some generators and some ice melt. And, um, but you got to have plans in place. You have to be ready to respond to those events. And you have to, you have to evaluate as you go. I, one of the things that I see very commonly uh, when we're at roundtables or we're talking to our peers in the industry or even thinking internally on a micro scale of you know, what our individual store managers are thinking about, they may have goals and they may be measuring those metrics, but they may not be course correcting mid-season to say, looks like I'm going to hit my goal or, oh, I'm missing my goal. I'm coming in too shallow. I'm coming in too steep. How am I going to adjust my day-to-day -day operations to hit my goal? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those are things that you can't set it and forget it. You can't say, I have this goal. I want to reduce my inventory. You look at it in December, January, February, then you get busy and you never come back to it. Um, you know, and you have to be able to execute that at a, a technical level, at an operational level, whether that's with your point of sale, with a third party, like for our uh, internally, or even just with your personnel, you know, if you're if your inventory is a goal and you want to drive your excess inventory down, you also can't go on a tear of saying, I'm going to buy everything in sight. Or I can't be in a mindset to go stock up heavy or load in if your goal is also to cut excess inventory. You got to make sure that your actions are, are aligned with whatever those desired outcomes are and check in with yourself, with your team, uh, with everybody who has the ability to pull a lever. Uh, mm -hmm. Same thing goes, you know, I, I've seen other situations where things lean out and sales are good because the customer traffic is heavy uh, and that could be somewhat artificial. And if you're not doubling down on that inventory because, you know, you're you got a new guy that's really good with grills and grill sales, uh, but suddenly you stop buying the Weber summits, uh, mm -hmm. you're, you're going to just starve that guy out. You're going to starve that uh, customer need out. Uh, so you got to make sure that these things are all appropriate and pointing in the same direction. Um, it's hugely important to uh, have everybody point in the same direction and all of your systems pointed in the same direction as well. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and evaluating where are your weak points with, um, do you have somebody that's pulling in the opposite direction? Do you have a system that's holding you back and not letting you have that throughput? You know, that was one of our complaints um, before 4R about our internal system was, you know, it was just purely based on weeks of supply. We felt that we had this throttle, we could make it go faster, we could make it go slower, but it was a big, broad brush. It affected seemingly everything. Well, you don't want to impact your paint sundries in the same way that you're going to impact your lawn and garden in the same way that you're going to impact plumbing. They mm. don't all move at the same pace. You got to be a little bit more surgical if you're going to get to that next level with your goal setting, with your operations, with your mm -hmm. technology, you have to be able to execute a high level plan and have that all boil down to every individual contributor 
um, mm-hmm. that can pull a lever. And it's really complicated. It, it You need a partner. You need somebody who has some experience at it. It's not something you just decide to do um, and commit to if it's going to be a, a half-hearted effort. You have mm-hmm. to commit yourself to these things. Sure, sure. Uh, Mark, anything you would add, um, you know, from far, four hours perspective on how you're, you know, helping clients move from level to level? Uh, I just, just uh, in summary, kind of conscious of time, but just kind of three areas for me would be sort of just to build on a little bit more of what Jerry was saying is, is kind of that inventory efficiency is, you know, it's a, it, it's consider it as an asset. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's like, oh, I've got this, you know, I've got all this inventory and it's a liability. It's on my bucks. Look at it as an asset. If I'm going to put it in that location, is it going to sell? Is it going to sell at the price point that I want it to sell at? You know, and so it's, and that's very, very simply kind of an example there, but just look at it from an inventory efficiency perspective. I kind of like the idea, obviously, uh, Jared, around you know, aligning the goals to your inventory strategy. And it's it's got to become a way of life, um, really tying those goals, you know, what, there's a lot of systems that are out there that say they do, you know, inventory planning and optimization, et cetera, but they're looking at it from a, what we call service level chasing. I want to be this percentage in stock. I want this many turns. Let's, let's look at it from a different perspective. I want to be as efficient with my inventory, but I want to get the optimal result. So it's very much looking at what are my ultimate goals and then letting these, you know, in essence, for our capabilities, the science, the algorithms, which uh, give you the optimal result that would get you to that point, and also potentially beyond that goal. And so, how do you align that into supply chain planning? And I think just a third area would be, you know, monitoring those trends and going back to your point, Jared, the course correcting. You know, yes, there's only so much. You know, all the best algorithms, all the best machine learning in the world, you can only predict so much. Okay, we're continuously learning, but then it's it's you've got to get that intel from the field. There's a competitor store opening up down the street, or hey, we're predicting there's going to be a supply chain shortage because we're we're seeing certain characteristics in the, and how do I embed that into my planning processes to make sure that I'm anticipating those types of things because they're going to happen, but also monitoring those trends and making those. What could be a minor tweak, minor adjustment, minor course correction? You know, and that's having that intel within the solutions as well as the expertise of the people to run the function as well. Yeah, and, you know, just to, to expand on that, just even slightly, Mark, uh, you know, I've, I've met and talked with so many people and they feel like their inventory levels, their, their desired inventory, their replacement of product, you know, after it sells, they, they want it to be a set it and forget it. But the reality is whether you're actively uh, working on your inventory levels or you're letting somebody else do it, um, it's always dynamic. Everything is constantly in yeah. flux. Yeah. You know, you, you can't set it and forget it, whether that's your inventory or your goals. You can't mm-hmm. set them and forget them. You yeah. have to be uh, you know, go, engaged. Go to, it's been very, very much a, to kind of the term from the automotive space you know, a just-in-time supply chain. We want it to be, we want to touch it and have it in at the right point. Whereas, you know, we've seen a lot of these global disruptions. Well, now we're looking at inventory strategies where if we're predicting there's going to be a potential disruption or there's a shortage in raw materials, 
well, we should be potentially looking at different strategies that's not just in time, that is, we're pre-positioning. We're, we're, I, we've got to make some bets, but you know, it's much. It's it's all those different inventory strategies versus a. We want it into the warehouse or from our wholesale distributors to hit the store at that point. That it's like that's all well and good, and it probably was very applicable in the past. But you know, there's so many things that are, are, are happening in the retail environment, that are happening in distribution, happening in supply chain, that you just got all these multitude of different supply chain strategies and inventory strategies to to fulfill those ultimately customer needs. Yeah, and, and just-in-time is fine for certain categories. But just like you said, we've seen so many people pivot because of what we experienced through COVID. Um, the strategy can't be the same for every item on your shelf. No. You now, different categories have different needs, have different life cycles. You know, I think about what we've seen in, in new categories of product that we either have never sold before or we tried 10 years ago and didn't work 10 years ago, but suddenly are working well. You, you have to be able to apply different strategies at the same time, depending on what that product is. Uh, you know, you, you can't apply the same math, the same spreadsheet, the same behavior to your grills as your plumbing department, as electrical. You know, we know this conceptually, but so often uh, we like to use these cookie cutter things and, and, you know, not to be disparaging to anybody, but it feels like everybody has their special magic spreadsheet that they use, but that special magic spreadsheet only goes so far. Uh, you know, I've seen more good work done by managers with a piece of cardboard that know their products, uh, than some people that just broad brush it. And as a guy who drives a desk a lot, um, they're right. So often you gotta be dynamic. You have to know what's coming and what's going. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, so it's so many great points. So, um, Abishan has over a hundred plus stores. Uh, there's not a whole lot in our audience that can, uh, say that they have that store count. So, uh, our last question here is kind of, is for both of you. How do you see these principles and processes applying to smaller operations? Well, sure. I, you know, I think, um, we spend a lot of time with small chains, you know, whether that's through the acquisitions process, peers and friends at the Orgle show, CNRG, NHPA. Um, everybody is trying to get the most bang for their buck. And I think one of the ways that, you know, you take these big concepts, you take these, you know, high tech strategies and what they come down to is how much are you goal setting and how much are you paying attention to your actions? You know, it's, um, we've seen some really good small stores, you know, one or two stores that they know who they are, they know what they're doing, and they, they make choices based on the checkbook. You know, they think about their inventory as an asset, just like Mark said. They don't think about it as a liability or a burden or, ah, gosh, I can't believe I got to think about ordering again. I can't believe it's another year. You know, the guys that are really doing uh, applied technology well are the same people that are like the same people that are just thinking forward. You have to be a couple seasons forward. You have to be thinking about Christmas uh, of the following year in January. You know, that's how you buy these things. You have to be putting your eyes on the horizon. You have to be um, in that position where you know what you want to do. You execute to it, but you're also ready to change your plan. You're controlling your inventory. You're controlling your budget. Um, you know, those are the the small operational steps that you really have to stay focused on. Uh, we've seen a lot of people um, 
in similar situations that if they just buy everything in sight at the, you know, whatever the show is, if they get every new shiny, fancy things, they lose sight um, of who they are and what they're trying to do. And now that could be adding product lines that they don't fully understand. That could be adding technology that they don't fully understand, you know, being um, purpose driven and, and having that introspection in what you're doing is, is kind of a luxury, right? It means you have a moment to step back and think. Uh, and I guess the, the thing that affords you that luxury is good planning and delegation. You know, you're not mired down in, uh, you know, when you see a store manager that's sweeping the floor and cutting keys and, and doing those things, those are great service things, but are those the best use of his time? Instead, can you get that store manager thinking about that next spring reset? Can you get them thinking about where they're going to put all the bag goods once the snow melts? Uh, those are planning things. That's higher level order thinking uh, that you have to have the right people doing. Um, you can take someone who's highly skilled, knowledgeable about their store, knowledgeable about product lines or technology. But if you have them working on the wrong tasks, you're never going to get to that spot where you take a step back. You look at the horizon and you you evaluate where you are on the way to your plan or your goal. You know, if, if you're uh, an independent store operator and you're trying to get your inventory in control because you want to buy the guy out in town and you got to free up some cash, you can't spend all your time thinking about your next buy or not working down your clearance. Um, you're, you're never going to free up that capital. You're going to wish you did, you know, and, and um, but if you're not working towards those goals every week and really keeping those evaluated, you're going to lose sight of it and you're not going to get your outcomes. Yeah. Mark, anything else you'd want to add? I, I think just to, um, number one is, you know, we talked about Orbishon uh, in terms of what we've obviously for us, deployment, implementation, et cetera. And I was at just over a hundred stores at Orbishon, but this, you know, specifically this scales to, you know, we've got clients that are in the 8,000 store group. Um, mm. So and we're using the same technology, we're using the same platform mm. all the way to, you know, retailers that are, you know, 10, 15, 20, 50 stores. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously the, the, the challenge for us is to make sure that it's an affordable offering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a different price point if you're in that thousands of stores. But at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you know, really for us is how do we, you know, we've been in this business for 20 years and, and you know, our primary focus when we were growing up it was kind of that tier one. But there's a lot mm -hmm. of great businesses like, like Orbachon that looking you know in that growth strategic growth mode looking to expand etc and so and, and smaller operation you know smaller um hardware you know, retailers as well that how do i get from 10 to 15 and but i don't to get to that next tier i need some of those capabilities and so we've worked extremely hard to think about okay how can we have a, a model that we can bring some of this capability this science and approach etc but it's very applicable to mm -hmm. a smaller operator and ultimately at the end of the day is affordable. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you, Mark, and, and this is, um, this is just my personal opinion. Uh, we've bought a number of stores in the last couple of years. These small store chains are already spending the time and money, even though they haven't paid for a solution. They're mm -hmm. using store managers and senior staff. Yeah. They're yeah. spending time placing orders and evaluating what that, but they, they see it as a day to day task. You know, one, one of Will's biggest, our CEO's 
biggest things to us is, you know, how can you spend your time most wisely? How can you get the job done efficiently and effectively? And sometimes that means you have to spend a little bit more time on that initial setup so you don't have to spend that time later. Um, you know, we've bought so many stores that they, um, one of the most notably was spending um, 10 work hours a week just placing purchase orders. That is a huge burden. I, I don't care. You know, that's a quarter of a full-time head. All they were doing was placing purchase orders. You know, um, you don't have to do that. You're, you're already spending the time and effort. A, a solution is just how do you let that store manager, that senior, that A-level staff member go work on something else? Go spend more time with your customer. Go spend more time thinking about the outside your four walls. Uh, you know, you, you really got to find a way to put your eyes on the horizon. Think about what your business is. Think about who you want that, who you are and what you want that business to be. Uh, and if you don't have the tools and solutions in place, um, you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. You know? So we've coined a term called turning the inventory inside out. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me explain briefly, and I'll we, and I'll leave the client name out of it to protect the innocent. But they have a seven hundred store in their operations. Uh, prior to coming into Four R, it was a decentralized planning model. Okay, they had a store associate going in the store that would spend, let's say, eight hours a week just going through the store shelves. Okay, I've got you know I've got so much available. Okay, I need to place that order. They have a tablet, they'll go ahead, place that order. Okay, roll the clock forward. Now we've implemented 4R. We're doing all of that planning function for them. We're getting a feed of that data to say, hey, this is what we've got in stock. We're also telling them, hey, we think you should have this in stock, but you don't. Now you need to go on, in essence, a call to action. But centralizing that planning function, let us focus on that, you know, let's say turning that inventory inside out. Let us focus on that. That's freeing up a store associate in that environment, eight hours per week is now focused on customer experience or vendor discussions, et cetera, but is more focused on you know, that improving the customer experience, et cetera. Let us focus on making sure you've, once that customer makes that decision to make that purchase, you've got that inventory there. Mm -hmm. And that's really you know, part of, and that's exactly what we do um, for Aubuchon. As well, we have a small team that works directly with Jared. We've got a planning team that are running that function. Um, and, uh, you know, as I say, we have this weekly dialogue with uh, with Jared and his team. And then we bring in other people as we need to. You know, what's the strategy for the year, the inventory strategies, what trends we're seeing. It's more of those types of strategic discussions than, hey, I think I need 10 of this unit or 10 of that product or 100 of those. Let us deal with that. That's what we do. That's what we've built for the last 20 years and, and giving you that opportunity to service that customer. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see that, you know, we're talking inventory, inventory management, inventory planning, but really you're offering a holistic solution that's really helping the entire business. Like it just trickles throughout the entire operation. And that's that's really cool. Yeah, no. we kind of uh, we kind of get married to our clients versus just date them. So we don't just implement the software; <laughs> we become part of the. the ex I mean, I've, I've got to find a better term, but we can become an extension of the supply chain. Sure, they're an extension of our team. Uh, you know, we we know them, and there's continuity, and 
Mm-hmm. You know, we've weathered many storms. That, that's that's the nature yeah. of this relationship. Fantastic. Jared, Mark, you have supplied a wealth of knowledge and we really appreciate you sharing all your fantastic insights with us today. Um, we look forward to uh, hearing more for you, from you guys in the future. So thank you guys so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to appreciate Jared as well. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. <laughs>